Hello and welcome to the Animation Communication Podcast, your source for discussion about animation, film, fandom, and more. So please join your host, I Love Kim Possible a Lot, or KP, and Lauren Kizich, the Abbey Roadie, for today's discussion. If you like what you hear, please remember to support by giving a like, a follow, as well as subscribing to the main I Love Kim Possible a Lot channel on YouTube. Spread the word and keep being a part of a great community. This episode is appropriate for all ages. Hi, everyone. Welcome to um, this episode of Animation Communication. Episode number, like, after 20, I can count. So um, this is just a me and Lauren episode because we're boring and we wanted to talk about halloween stuff before we actually had people. Yeah, happy spooky season, guys. It's, it's officially October. How fun is that? I know we finally have an instance of where we know what time of year it is now. Uh, because anytime a holiday rolls around, that's about a good enough time marker that we have. Anyway. <laughs> so um, for those who are watching the loopy animation thing on YouTube, um, we have some new Halloween assets. So I'm a, the Grim Reaper. Yeah, I'm the Grim Reaper. I forgot. Because I like death culture. It was either the Grim Reaper or a mummy. So um, I, I usually... Um, fluctuate between the two but at walmart the other day i got some new pjs that's like a pj um like it's a long shirt versus just like a tube a bottom and top pj and it says mm. um i'm trying to unwind and it has a picture of a mummy on it so there you go that's my spooky season <laughs> attire so um yeah that's a good one yeah um and then lauren's gonna dress up for halloween for who i don't know because covid is still a thing unfortunately I feel like this like <laughs> well well if the if the uh I guess if the uh the the Halloween overlay for us is any indicator at least for my avatar on here uh it's uh a certain name you say three times Beetlejuice 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 um I, I couldn't resist I couldn't resist the opportunity uh however I thought of trying to do it this year for Halloween as a costume it's a bit more expensive <laughs> And I was expecting, yeah, Beetlejuice is a pretty a, mainstream costume, and then you got to get the wig and all that stuff. So yeah, yeah. But the thing is, is like when you want to, there are so many costumes where they're inaccurate. So that would mean you'd have to really like take a blank coat and and pants or whatever, and make the stripes yourself and stuff. Because there's so many that say this is a Beetlejuice authentic costume, and I'm like, but the stripes aren't even properly oriented. Which yes, I'm going to be that person <laughs> where I'm like. <laughs> If you can't get like the certain stripes on the arms right, then it's not it's not a real Beetlejuice kind of costume. It's Beetlejuice aesthetic, but it's not really his outfit. So, you know, I'm going to be that person. But anyway, uh, how I'm doing it is because it's 20 years of Emperor's New Groove. Uh, I was thinking I was going to be Cusco. Problem is, there's two versions of Cusco. There's the human version and there's the llama version. So. Recently, I did a poll on Twitter, and I asked people, I'm like, well, I'm debating between these two forms. And fortunately, our good our good buddy, Edek, <laughs> commented on the, there saying, why don't you be the human early on in the day, like first half of the day, and then later you change into the llama. He's a Cusco like, werewolf. 
And I was like, you know, you're on to something there, Ed. Thank you. <laughs> and so I'm I already like same night I sketched out uh some concept pieces of like stuff where I could either make it reversible or easily detachable and I can just like, you know, like velcro it on or whatever. Um so that way I can switch out like maybe his gold jewelry and then I put on like uh if I like can make like a little neck piece that looks like the llama fur, then I can do that. And <laughs> So and then I might make a look a little simple headband for uh, his, the ears and stuff like that. So, I mean, it's just I'm not going to go like full fursuit llama. I wish I had that kind of time, but um, but I'm going to. Huh. But yeah, but money. Um, but I, I did find some cool little like um, tutorials and hacks and all that kind of stuff to to basically uh, make different pieces of of the costume. So. At the very least, all I have to do is get the materials, and that's about it. And there's a lot of, you know, DIY stuff to make it really easy without without having to spend, you know, $50 plus on a costume that's already done. <laughs> but and you could do it cheaper for it with a t-shirt and some fabric <laughs> and uh, an extra, extra, extra large t-shirt and some fabric. Um, but yeah, so uh, yeah, I'm going to be Cusco. I'm excited about that, personally. So, yeah, so we're going to discuss some spooky time movies um, and giving you guys some ideas of what to watch because it's not like you ha have time or anything right now <laughs> still. Um, as well as, is anyone, like, creative and trying to do, like, Halloween thingies, like, on the internet? Like, is that, like, a thing? Like, define no creative one? things on the internet. Like, I know there's, like, we're not doing Inktober anymore because the Inktober guy is bad. So yeah. we're doing, like, other uh, stuff. I've been seeing people trying to do, like, Draw Vember or something like that uh, instead. So they're maybe skipping over October or they may make it just an entirely different theme for October altogether that just doesn't use Inktober. So uh, there's that. Uh, otherwise, uh we got Are there like any virtual like otherwise we got 31 nights of halloween on free form halloween What's movies free every form? day huh free free form What's... was the yeah. old it, it's formerly abc family so it's 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 a channel oh they read oh they remade they remarked the abc family I don't yeah know like anything. a few years a few years ago they changed their name to free form yeah it was it, it's been it's been an adjustment still like three years, three, the, two or three years the, onward. The, but but, um, but uh, yeah, the ABC. It still says ABC at the ABC building. Yeah, but that doesn't mean ABC changed their company name. It's just they changed the channel name because they wanted it That's... to sound more. Uh, I guess they wanted it to sound more con uh, contemporary. I guess you could say and more sleek rather than ABC Family. So, uh, freeform is a more encompassing, like, adult-oriented name versus ABC Family. So, I don't know. I guess they were worried they were catering to too much of a younger demographic. And too, I don't know. It was, it. Uh, that's as far as I know, is that they changed it to just kind of, like, make it more contemporary. And they needed to do, like, a little facelift on the on the on the channel all right i didn't know that i mean you know everyone streams their stuff now so especially and for those who, for those who didn't understand what i was talking about before so um when you're in burbank there's the the historic disney lot with like the fucking hat and everything and then like like around the corner essentially is the abc lot where 
I guess they probably film, you know, Disney Plus shows and stuff like that. They film Disney Plus shows and all that stuff there, um, from what I understand from props, which I didn't want to watch because it made me sad. Because I'm like, ah, I don't I want to be back. I want to I want my life to continue some more. But anyway, um, on top of the the like facing the highway, I guess, I think. Um, they have the big ABC. Yeah, that's like the, thing, that's like so. the, that's like the the corporate building. It does have a cool top on it though, which it kind of is reminiscent of like skyscraper buildings on the top. So yeah, yeah. So and it's so right what next I was to confused the, about to the animation building, which, uh, if you look at pictures of it, it's it's made to look that building's made to look like a film reel. So there's that. But I always called yeah. it the popcorn tin because it's red and white. <laughs> Um, yeah, but what, why I was confused is because they didn't, like, change, they didn't take the ABC thing down and, like, change it to freeform, because that's probably something I would have noticed or heard about if they were doing Yeah, yeah, no, they, yeah, no, they, <laughs> yeah, no, they didn't do that. Yeah, ABC is still ABC and forever will be ABC, um, because they've been ABC since the beginning of television time, uh, and, uh, basic, and of, I guess, of radio broadcasting as well, to a degree. Um, so, I mean, all they did was change the name of the channel, which, uh, which for a long time was ABC Family, and it had a lot more, like, family-oriented, uh, entertainment, but since demographics changed and demands changed for different kinds of shows, more adult shows, uh, that they decided to rebrand themselves to, uh, better fit the demographics that'd be watching their channel. So, <laughs> there's that. When did... When but the Disney one time I feel like the one time one no I scratch that two times that uh the channel seems to be more family oriented in its content is with the thirty one nights of Halloween and the uh and the uh, twenty five days of Christmas so you have the uh the basically just movie marathons where it's just every single day it's just movies 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 back to back so that's awesome okay. so um my question was when did Disney buy ABC did they buy it like in the fifties. Or, like, did they buy ABC Family only? Like, I don't remember specifically. It's, it's technically, uh, it was when they bought them later. I get Buying them was later. They started a partnership back in, like, the 40s, 50s. I think it was the 50s, early 50s, when they started okay. doing stuff with ABC. But, uh, but they didn't, uh, I guess... Yeah, it, it, they became an affiliated company in the 50s. But the okay. whole thing of Disney taking it in entirely, uh, I, I don't want to be incorrect in stating when that happened. Um, okay. but that was a more recent move. Yeah, I, th- I think maybe maybe early 80s that I could But be yeah, wrong. I mean, a- they partnered up with ABC to help. Uh, basically, it was to help uh, uh, the company. Wonderful Disney, right? Yeah, and it was to help fund not only the movie company for to help them make films and stuff like that but it was to also help uh help them a lot money towards building disneyland at the same time too they were trying to like because mind you all the things that that walt did to personally that like you know what did he like double did he like twice mortgages or did he mortgage his house twice or something like that in order to pay for uh, disneyland out of his own pocket like it was yeah he was doing crazy stuff yeah, yeah so i mean you can't say that you can't say the guy wasn't serious about what he did because i mean nobody nobody would do that these days nobody could do that these days um uh 
it's just yeah so i mean but the whole partnership with abc was to help them fund uh the studio and the uh theme park division welcome wed, to this other i should say wed enterprises at the time well welcome to another episode of this turns into a disney history podcast <laughs> on accident i'm sorry um because, like, that's that's probably the most mainstream form of, of um, animation history, and that's something probably in Lauren and I's both pretty comfort zones versus, like, more Warner Brothers and, like, like Sony is is just so new and stuff like that. But, you know, their brand is, you can't, you can't beat, the, beat the brand. Okay. So, anyway, um, are there any, I know you want to talk about stuff, Lauren, so talk about your, your boy. Well, I, I the thing is, is like at at this point, uh, I guess because uh, okay, so technically, as of recording this, this is recording things like one going before the other. So I I don't know about this headline. You want to just you want to just cut this then? Uh, I mean, if you're okay with the headlines being a little mismatched, I don't know. <laughs> you can just say like coming out. You know, yeah, you I guess say, I, like. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. well, I mean, I already said it's coming out soon, and I already estimated that the movie would be coming out this month in the next podcast. But today is when we got an official date. <laughs> As of okay, recording. never mind. There's no news. It's fine. <laughs> I do have an. I do. Okay. So for the editor, I do have a headline. Actually, uh, there is. Uh, there was a uh, a brand new announcement that just came out uh, from Cartoon Network uh, for. Uh, they have a back-to-back, I believe they're back-to-back, uh, Halloween specials coming up real soon. And as the recording of this episode, that's when they were announced. Uh, but and that's for uh, Teen Titans Go and for uh, Amazing World of Gunball. Now, you may be thinking, oh, well, they're just Halloween specials. They're just, what, you know, a few booze, a few tricks or treats. Okay, but no, you aren't ready for the news I'm about to break to you about the Teen Titans Go special. No, 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 no. And if you know me, I'm hyped about this as heck. So, uh, not only what an, is Beetle... an animation podcast is talking about Teen Titans in a positive light. And not only, <gasps> okay, <go ahead. laughs> yeah, not only is Beetlejuice going to be a character in this in the special because thanks to Turner and Warner Brothers all being under that same umbrella, you know, they can have crossover episodes. Uh, and this actually isn't the first time that the Teen Titans have interacted with Beetlejuice, but this is the uh, this will be the first time of seeing him in 2D animation on the show. But also, the voice of Beetlejuice is something that hasn't been seen before on on TV yet. Alex Brightman, Broadway's Beetlejuice from Beetlejuice the Musical, is the voice of Beetlejuice. And it's like, wow, there he is. He's actually back. <laughs> Did you like cry when you heard this? I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, it's like, hey, my boy's back. Okay. <laughs> it, it just I got really, really excited. And it took me completely by surprise. I was not expecting, first of all, for Beetlejuice to be involved with the Halloween special. But it first of all, that that's just it's a match in match made in heaven to have the chaos of Teen Titans go, and I mean that in a good way because the sh- show does have a good sense of like that chaotic energy teamed up with Beetlejuice, who he himself is a chaotic demon. 
And then on top of that, you have um, you have Alex Brightman playing him, and and a lot of people agree that he has he brings this like charming feral energy to him, which is also just like I don't know. There's something actually really quite endearing to what he brings to Beetlejuice. So I'm curious to see what they'll do. There's a lot of people theorizing there might be a song in the episode since it's Alex Brightman doing it. Um, so I don't know, but it, uh, that'd be pretty cool. And I know a lot of people would just, uh, die if they heard that. Uh, <laughs> um, the, so if the, anyone the wants to host a- He's already gushing about it right now, saying that the, the, this was huge breaking news for that. So anyway. <laughs> so if anyone is interested in co-hosting the podcast soon, because Lauren will be dead, please call us at 505 <laughs> No, I'm kidding. Um, yeah, I, I would- has Teen Titans has had songs before? Oh yeah, they've had so- songs tons of times. But uh, but in terms of uh, uh, I guess in terms of a Halloween special, uh, I don't think before. But uh, this is the first time that we'll see Beetlejuice animated with them and not in Lego format. Because yes, the Teen Titans did interact with Beetlejuice in the Lego like the Lego Dimensions format. Uh, on the show one time. I think it was a Lego special or something. And I and I can tell you it was probably to promote Lego Dimensions and the new sets that they were adding and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, so this isn't the first time they're interacting, but it's the first time that Beetlejuice will be 2D animated with them. Yeah. Okay, well, that's that's neat. So um, I guess that will come out soon do you do you like his character designs because i've only like i don't remember them i i personally love i personally love the design because it's not only consistent with the show style but it is like a really appealing design to that they still made him kind of look like they so he's dressed and looks a lot like the michael keaton beetlejuice the original form of of beetlejuice but he um he doesn't have he's also a little bit of a mix of his cartoon persona from the uh from the Beetlejuice cartoon series and then but then to have Alex voicing him will bring this whole other energy and make it a like a whole other incarnation of Beetlejuice so that that's pretty cool that we'll have almost like a fourth version of him <laughs> maybe even a fifth if you want to include a the uh, the version that's in Lego, but the thing is, his energy is pretty much Keaton's Beetlejuice. So I don't know. We'll see what what happens with this one. This could be a very cool exclusive fourth version of Beetlejuice that we'll see. Actually, I I count I say fifth because I guess if you want to include the Universal theme parks <laughs> version of Beetlejuice, did we, did we tell that story on the podcast yet? I feel like we have, but like. Of of you and you and you and the Universal Beetlejuice. Yes, we had to track him down. Yes, okay. I have that I'm... picture, and if it, I, I did share it on Twitter, but I guess it's spooky times, so I will share it again. Um, <laughs> get Universal Hollywood's attention on Twitter again. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, uh, yeah. That when uh, when KP and I went to Universal last year it was around Christmas time. Uh, it was Christmas Eve. Yeah, it's actually Christmas Eve. Or is it Christmas Day? Christmas Day specifically that we went. No, it was Christmas Eve. Was it Eve? I, I remember. Okay, yeah, it, it was Eve. Eve. Okay. 
So we were there. I was like, Lauren, I don't have any friends. I don't. I'm not going home for Christmas. What are you doing? And, and you're like, like, we're going we're to going this to thing. Universal. <laughs> My dad likes to pay for things, and I'm like, that sounds like a good idea. So that's what. <laughs> <laughs> so it was just uh we shout just out to Lauren's dad. <laughs> we went so we went to hang out at Universal on on Christmas Eve and uh had a blast but I just remember um I think it was wasn't it like uh shoot was it my brother that said that he spotted Beetlejuice walking around and then I, I think so and then I just like immediately started shaking you like I got to go get him. <laughs> we had to like run across like I'm not even kidding. I sprinted. I sprinted. We were at like one of the little like cafes near Hogsmeade. It was a the little Mac. I think it was like what was the Mexican food place? Okay, yeah, backtrack. Like Like, basically, for Universal Studios or I think Universal Florida is the same way. Is like after you go into the park, there's this general like Hollywood area, Mm -hmm. and then the further in you go, you can go to like Hogsmeade or you can go to the Simpsons area or. The the thing the tram thing the the the, the thing where they take you on to the, around the studio, the studio tour yeah yeah that thing and then I feel like there's another well part. it's basically where we were at was the fork before you go to any of it's where the f- road splits before you go to each of those areas at the end of the Hollywood Street um so uh, we were at the main hub where that all forks out and I was sitting there and my brother was like uh. I did see Beetlejuice hanging around Waterworld if you wanted to go find him. And I'm like, I, 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 I'm sorry, I have to go. <laughs> and so, uh, and so basically Rachel like chased after me as I go ran- running after, af- you know, towards Waterworld, which is towards the front of the park, um, uh, to find him. And sure enough, there he was in all of his black and white striped grimy glory. <laughs> And I got pictures. She left like as we ran. She left like a trail of just like wetness. As you know, we got there anyway. <laughs> Don't what? Why are you saying that? Hey, it can be. It can be droll. You just you just excited. cut this. Cut this. <laughs> <laughs> like no, no. The the internet is not going to jump on the on the. It might be droll <laughs> route. Okay, fair. Okay. <laughs> You can. How about this? You can have like little wily coyote like tracks in the in the thing because you ran so tired. Tire tire, tire tracks as I'm like, <laughs> like skid marks, skid marks on the ground. <laughs> um, but yeah, as I'm peeling Beep. away. But uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it was it was fun. That was fun. And he and he uh, actually, I found him twice that night. The second time was just by serendipity that I saw him again, and I'm just like, you know what? Screw it. We're gonna take more pictures. And he was totally cool with it. So. <laughs> I'm like yeah. he's he's honestly not easy to find at any point during the year. So it's uh so the fact that he was hanging around at Christmas, I was just like, okay, sure, why not? Normally he'd be around for Halloween, but okay. <laughs> yeah, and then for those who aren't familiar with Universal Studios, it's like before the park, before you get into the, like the sections of the things, like there's just general like Hollywood characters. They have like SpongeBob and like for some reason, like Spongebob, and they have the Grinch, and then they have, like, Lucy O'Ball and Marilyn Monroe and, you know, like, generic, like, Hollywood people. And the thing is about with Universal, you may, they don't have a, a, a entire character schedule to go off of for meet and greets. Like, there may be certain set areas where you can meet 
preset characters. But as for walkarounds, you don't know who you're going to run into, which I personally love because you don't know who you're going to see. It's like actual star spotting, which I th- I, mm-hmm. I thought that was a great idea because then it makes it all the more special that when you do see a character walking around that you're like, oh, I know who that is. And then you could be like, hey, can I get a picture, an autograph, all that kind of stuff. So um, it, it makes it special to find somebody at Universal um, if they're not somebody that's a preset, like a meet and greet area. And mm-hmm. it's just like, for example, Beetlejuice is one of those. He's kind of a free roaming guy, uh, which I guess would be in t- a, a, a total match to how he actually is. Like you couldn't put, keep, possibly keep him in one spot. Um, <laughs> but uh, but with other characters, it's also really cool because then you just never know who you're going to see. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Anyway, okay. we weren't supposed to talk about movies. <laughs> Whatever it's 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 a ghost. It's still relevant. Spooky time. Welcome to spooky time. Um. So yeah. Um. So today we're gonna talk about Halloween movies and like just general recommendations for things that you should watch. And Where do you find that? Go ahead. I was gonna say I do have a and let's note that as it's an animated podcast, specifically ha- animated Halloween movies or movies that have animated elements in them. So that can be live action with uh, animated elements in it if you wanted to do that. So, I mean, and then we may have a couple movies where we may butt heads over whether it's a Halloween movie or not. Or is it just a a creepy movie? Anyway. (laughs) Okay, so um, I guess we'll just kind of talk about our general recommendations and then that will turn into a discussion. So we have, I, I asked Lauren and she gave me a list. So like, how about this, Lauren, like of, of, the the stuff that we found like what's your what's your favorite halloween themed movie thing all right so usually every year i like to have a certain handful of movies that i like to go back to time and time again um some are more recent ones and other ones are like you know you know several decades old you know you know just don't know but uh for for me uh a few of the movies i like to revisit are Hotel Transylvania, Book of Life, Casper. Yes, I'm talking about the what was it, like 1995 Casper. The one with Hillary Hillary Duff. No, that's later. Like Hillary Duff is in yeah, the no, Casper no. movie. Yeah, yeah, she was in a different right, Casper one. movie. We're talking about the one from 1995 that had uh, that had uh, what's his. Uh, that was the one with the Ghostbusters cameo, right? Yes, but I was going to okay. say, yeah, I was going to say, there was a bunch of celebrity cameos in that movie. And, um, yeah, with Dan Aykroyd showing up for, like, two seconds. Were you going to call <laughs> um, someone else? But, yeah, it was, um, yeah, it, it that, that's, those are a few of the movies I like to revisit. Um, other ones that I highly recommend would be Paranorman. Paranorman's uh, Corpse Bride. Monster Great. House. Great. And then here's one that I guess could be up for debate is uh, James and the Giant Peach. <laughs> James and the Giant Peach is just creepy. Yeah, so I mean, but it does have a general, I think it's just because of the aesthetic of, you know, when you watch a stop motion Henry Selleck movie, and I am saying Henry Selleck because it's not a Tim Burton movie, it's Henry Selleck directing it, okay? Like a book. <laughs> Even though it does have uh, Tim Burton elements in it, design elements in it, uh, yeah, is that James and the Giant Peach has that kind of that fall feeling 
So I I, they, know, I like it. They also have um like I I'm ninety percent sure selected Coraline too. Um yes he but, did. Yeah, James has more of like very skinny like character designs where Coraline like has has weird character designs but they're not as dependent on just like really skinny characters so that's kind of also reminiscent of nightmare a little bit Mm, i'd say it's Um, actually pretty flipped because yeah james and the giant peach has like the ladybug it has miss spider it has the grasshopper it has the centipede i guess i'm just thinking of like the grasshopper and the spider and like how like skinny their little arms are otherwise you have glow centipede yeah you have glowworm and and earthworm and ladybug and they're all bulky and they're big and round. Or at least Ladybug yeah, is fair. round. <laughs> and then James... I hope she's round. Uh, and then James, when he becomes stop motion, he's got the uh, he's got a bigger head and a little body. <laughs> Which, actually, if the designs... If you ever watch the movie, uh, the designs... Uh, uh, I, I have an original storybook for James and the Giant Peach. And the illustrations, I could tell it was like... I think that book came before... That particular book came before the movie and then or around the same time, but they adapted the movie based on the book designs because you can tell like from a design aspect and aesthetic that they totally adapted it from the book illustrations uh, just because of how creepy and 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 yet wonderful, wonderfully illustrations are. They're just like they're like creepy, but they're whimsical. Which I guess mm-hmm. would be fitting of something that's like I think James and the Giant Peach was, uh, was that a Roald Dahl? I think that was. Yes, Roald Dahl. I was. I was, was going to really mention that. I'm like, for- he's really good with kids' stories that are really not for kids. <laughs> I don't know. Like I, I remember. I mean, I don't. I don't remember this too often. But I think Ronald Dahl was like, like kind of weird. Maybe not. I don't know. Like I feel like I feel like he was one of those that had like a child bride or like. Yes, like Roald Dahl, I was right. I was right, I just checked. It was written in 1961 by Roald Dahl. Okay, so um, he might have one of those um, instances, but you know, don't quote me if I'm wrong, because anyway, I don't know. Um, so if you don't know Roald Dahl, then he wrote Charlie and the Chocolate Factory is pretty much the most famous thing, and Matilda, which is now a Broadway play. Well, before Broadway, like, it was not shut down. So, <laughs> can't win them all. Womp womp. Um, okay, and then, so, do you want to talk about more, or do you want me to talk about some that I like? Uh, go, go ahead and talk about a few of yours, and then we'll, we'll, we'll discuss from there. We'll get the, into the questionable ones. Um, let's see. So, I, my thing is zombies and death, and, you know, discussion of death and, like, existential artist stuff, so that influences a lot of, um, my artistry in general, and um, yeah, so I like Paranorman. Um, Coraline, I like, but it's a little bit too Alice in Wonderland for me as far as, like, child goes into another realm, except now it's creepy and whatever. Um, but I don't, like, that's a, that's a subject, subjective approach, but objectively, it's a good movie. Um, Nightmare Before Christmas is beaten to death. Um, I like Corpse Bride, again. Frank and Weenie, I kind of like, but the third act got really weird and confusing and, like, disjointed. So, like, aesthetically, it's neat. And, like, you know, Disney got what it paid for. They got another Tim Burton creepy stop-motion movie, I guess. Did you like Frankenweenie? 
Yeah, I actually did. I mean, I like the short movie, the short film of it, the live action short film of it better. Um, mm-hmm. But I did like what they did try to do with the stop motion one. And plus the design of 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 Spot was really cute. Yeah, he's a, he's a good bean. Um, um, Hotel Transylvania is pretty cute, but that's also one that's like debatably not a Halloween movie because it's it's like is it it's not set around Halloween. It just has monsters and stuff, right? Yeah, it's like Halloween monsters, or at least monsters synonymous, monsters and creatures synonymous with Halloween, uh, that they would, that they are represented in the movie. There is, I guess you could say, a point where they do see humans celebrating Halloween, and uh, and they realize that they're actually being celebrated instead of feared, so there is that. Okay, Um. so yeah, and then um, if you haven't seen Hotel Transylvania, it's pretty standard stuff as far as like you know a relatively safe you know engaging kids movie you know it's not there's nothing bad about it you know but it's it's not just it's not pushing any boundaries either but anyway um what i really like it is about it is i um that's another jendy karakovsky thingy who um i think we just talked about this like recently but samurai jack dude so Mm -hmm. um what you can tell is he in Dexter's lab, yeah, he did that first. Um, but what you can really tell about um, Hotel Transylvania is um, there's a lot of line of action usage as far as, like, I imagine that's how he directed for the storyboard. So it really stretches and uses a lot of animation principles when the characters are animated specifically, or specifically uh, Dracula himself. And mm-hmm. I thought that was really neat. Um, so it's it's not, it doesn't look like just another CGI movie, like on the surface it does, but once you start watching it, then it's like, oh, wow, they're doing something that's a little different. So kind of same thing with the Popeye short he did. It's very like, it's you know, it stretches itself and it kind of has fun with the fact that it, it is an animation, you know, and not just like, we, like, we can't have any fun. You know, it's got to be like lifelike. And then like, why did you animate this? This was a mistake. It's not like that all the time, but, you know. Anyway, um, I really like, um I really like Coco. I've made the discovery like over the course of like the last like two or three months that Coco is my fa- is is my favorite Pixar film objectively, even though it's not it's number two on the, the Pixar thing I did with Cell Specs <laughs> who um still exists. But yeah, I love I love Hector so much. He's 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 a sad bean who finally gets his happy ending. Yay. So um Coco again is technically and Book of Life is technically um, um, uh, Day of the Dead, which is a Mexican holiday. So, you know, but I don't know. Like, I really enjoyed Coco because, let me try to elaborate it. It's it's really smart and compact. And um, no, I can't, I, I, I would have written things down if I could think some more a little bit. Like, how to, like, how to describe Coco. Coco in like five minutes but I guess like from from what I felt is it like it's one of those movies that thinks of like every possible angle you can like interpret it from and tries to like solidify things as much as possible versus like I just recorded a video about Nightmare that will be on the man channel like relatively soon where Nightmare is like the opposite of that where there's a lot of like plot holes or maybe not even plot holes but inconsistency as far as like it's world building and stuff like that which is fine like the point of the the mo- the point of the movies is the main plot, you know, not the world building is come secondly, but like when you have everything that's solid 
you know, especially with Hector and um, just just all the beats and like, I'm going to spoil a little bit for you, but like when they lose the picture and then like Coco has a picture of him the whole time and she was, she actually kept it forever. And then like everything's even good in the, in the living world now. It's just like, it kind of goes that extra step. And I really look for movies that kind of like have like almost a double closure in that way where we get the closure that Hector, you know, doesn't get to die, die twice, I guess. But then you get the extra step of, oh, like, um, he's also restored in the living world, too, and now he's respected and, you know, everyone knows the other guy murdered him. I don't know how, like, that's fan fiction territory. But, you know, it's nice. Yeah, it's, it's nice. the so, happy Dia, Dia de los Muertos to everyone except Ernesto de la Cruz. That's become a saying every year <laughs> fuck now. Fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> fuck that guy. So, I don't know. I, I was kind of curious after I watched it, like, one or two times again, um, like, relatively recently. Like, um, to, to look into some fan fiction about, like, how... Because for those who don't know the movie, it, there's there's the scene where they find the picture again. And then they cut to a year later, and then it's like, oh, and Ernesto is, like, everyone's mad at him, obviously. So there has to be, like, there's obviously some sort of, like, untalked about thing, which I hope they do a short about eventually. That would be really cool. Um, And also a good idea, because it's something that's, like, already, the story's already built in there for you. just gotta, like, flesh it out a little bit. Um, But anyway, like, how they proved that um, Hector was the one who wrote the songs, and, like, I guess... They had to figure out how he, that he murdered Hector, like Ernesto murdered Hector somehow. I don't know. Like that, that's like a lot of frenetic stuff. I don't know, Lauren. Do you think that was like part of like the epilogue that it was proven that Ernesto did kill Hector? Or you think it was just Ernesto stole the songs and people were just mad about that? Uh, No, I think it did get, I think him stealing the songs was proven. Um, uh-huh. But it also had to take take into account that um, uh, uh, that Miguel visited the land of the dead. He saw what he right. saw, and he was able to take that back with him. So, I mean, I guess it was a matter of people believed him or not, which I guess in this case they did. <laughs> so, but then um, I guess it's more like, you know, was that like did they follow up like trying to prove that where like they found like. You know, they had to do some, like, forensic bullshit where they were like, let's go find Hector's dead skeleton. Let's see if there's any remains of, like, poison or whatever. Like, and then, and then, like, track that to the, like, you know, like, you like know, crime shows. You know. <laughs> Am I thinking about this too much? Uh, don't think too hard about it. <laughs> it's fine. No, I, you know, we'll have, like, CSI, like, Coco edition where, like, they come in and I'm just like, okay, there's been a murder. Um, it was Ernesto in the hotel with the poison. Okay, there's my one. The poison chosen specially to kill Hector. Hector's poison. Uh. <laughs> anyway, um, I'm surprised someone should make a like a like a like an edit of that. That'd be fun. Anyway, <laughs> so let's see. Um, Coco, I like Book of Life too. Um, specifically. I forgot the names of the characters. As uh, Zavolbra and and La La Muerte, my La Muerte, my Spanish, yeah, yeah, my Spanish accent is horrible. But anyway, um, I like them a lot. They remind me of Discord and Celestia, and they're neat. And um, yeah, it's a fun movie. Um, 
but it's it's much different from Coco, and I'm sure there's like fan fictions where like they try to tie the worlds together, and that would be neat. I'd like that. Well, yeah, anyway, um, with them being under the same Disney umbrella, crossovers could happen now. What is this a crossover? <laughs> 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 but yeah, I I loved I loved Book of Life and I think it's because I mean, while Coco is a gorgeous film, like I am not discounting Coco for what it contributed and even even then um uh, uh, Jorge Gutierrez who uh directed and created Book of Life uh was like, "Don't tear down Coco for being, you know, another day of the dead movie. We should be thankful that we have another day of the dead movie to add Isn't that to crazy? the catalog." Like like, you think of like people getting mad that there was two Christmas movies that just existed? Like it's so <laughs> stupid. Yeah, like you think about how many Hallmark Christmas movies are made every year. So anyway, um, but yeah, I I loved how I loved the energy and the designs and just the idea how they carried out the story for for Book of Life in that they presented the characters in the like wooden puppet format which I thought that was pretty cool that they just made all the characters look like there were little wooden puppets. Um, so that way, when it's established early in the movie, it's like, oh, let me tell you this story about uh, the day, of, you know, about the Day of the Dead. And uh, and they show the, the puppets beforehand, and then it shows that whole world with them being alive. Um, but yeah, I loved the... It was kind of funny because... Uh, with with Jorge, he wanted to. I guess he he wanted to tell a story and had been working on it for years. Um, that the the soundtrack has a lot of songs accumulated from like the '90s to the 2000s and stuff like that mm. that got in, put into the soundtrack and were covered for the movie. Um, but in a way, they d- did add. It's almost like how in Shrek that the pop songs add to the story a little bit. It's not so much a detraction i see them as an accent to what's going on so um is it also a the spanish design, accent just the designs the, the 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 aesthetic rarely do you see a movie where the concept art and the final product look exactly the same <laughs> so it's like when you look at concept art for book of life the designs are so intricately done and and so just beautifully crafted that it's, I mean, it like everything looks like it is sculpted and carved and all of that. And then finally, when you see the finished product, when everything's three D rendered and textured and painted and and just it, it and animated, you realize, oh, it looks exactly like the concept art. That never, I swear, that never happens. Back in my day, anyway. Um, yeah, I I agree with that. That's, how long did it take for him to make that movie? Did he like pitch it around for like ten or fifteen years? Yeah, I mean the original, like the very, if I remember, like the baseline concept that gave him that that led him to creating the whole story for Book of Life was his senior the was why well, was a senior thesis? I guess it was a senior thesis film in college. So I mean, okay. he'd been working on it for a long time, at least since like. <sighs> I don't know, two thousand maybe. Oh, early two thousands, late nineties, early two thousands maybe. Okay, so it's it's his it's his Moby Dick, I guess. Yeah, um, that's a bad, like a bad analogy, but you get it. Um, let's see what else is on here that we can discuss. Um, 
Uh, I guess. Oh, we didn't talk about House House of Villains of all things. Oh, I didn't even like I didn't nostalgia. even list that originally. Uh, the House of the Mickey's House of Villains. Okay, for those who are too young to re- to know, or may some of you may not remember, or some of you do remember. In that case, good, good, glad we're not the only ones. Uh, is that it. Mickey's House of Mouse was a TV show, uh, that ran in the early two thousands, early and mid two thousands. Um, that was almost like a combination of a comedy show, like an animated comedy show that took place inside a uh, an entertainment club, uh, and it was also a, a way to show new Mickey cartoons, and and Mickey and Friends cartoons. Um, and so, uh, so they would have like all these little storylines inside that, you know, you know, uh, I guess plot A, plot B kind of thing, uh, inside the mm-hmm. club between all of, between Mickey and all the people working with him. Um, so, uh, Mickey's House of Villains was a ha- Halloween special, I guess you could say, um, that had the Disney villains taking over the club. Now, also, I should also mention that the House of Mouse was the one place where you could see, it was one show that was like the ultimate crossover. You had Disney characters from like a bajillion movies all coming together uh, to sit at tables and watch cartoons and eat dinner. Like, that's that was the premise. Um, and so the House of Villains was where the villains take over the House of Mouse and kick Mickey out so they could take over the place themselves. It's, I mean, it, it was, it, I think that it was just a funny concept. And it was one of those few instances where, I mean, you had uh, uh, some of the like original villain voices come back for to reprise their roles. So, yeah, I, think I mean, the majority James Woods of came, came, yeah, James James Woods Woods came back, back for Hades as he always yeah. will. <laughs> Oh man, uh, James Woods is just is a tricky, tricky children. But yeah, James Woods, and then what's his face? Uh, Jonathan Freeman, who plays Jafar, always reprises Jafar. Um, mm-hmm. I think Pat Carroll, who does Ursula, always reprises Ursula. The I'm trying to think of the only like obviously besides the villains that like were for villains from movies that were made in like the 50s and 40s, where their original VAs are probably not alive anymore. Um, right. I'm trying to think of anyone who like usually doesn't reprise their role with the Disney villain. Like, maybe Jeremy Irons most of the time doesn't revise for, or reprise Scar. Like, not that he has anything better to do. I I, I checked IMDb, yeah. Jeremy Irons. Like, I know. So, um, usually, I think Jim Cummings plays him, So, which is fine, I guess. Yeah, um, well, I mean, Jim Cummings finished off the singing for Be Prepared when, when yeah, Jeremy so, Irons like, couldn't do it, so. Technically, it's fine. Let me, like, let They me were half up. right. They got it half right. I mean, better than nothing, but, like, uh, Jim Cummings will play Scar in, like, video games that no one cares about and stuff, so. Um, did, I, he wasn't, was he Scar in Kingdom Hearts 2? Uh, I'm gonna have to, T-O-O, I was just thinking not- about that. Yeah, well, I know, I know. I'm just uh, let me fact check that. Uh, in the meantime, talk about something. Well, I, okay, I, I'm just looking up. up the villains. Um, essentially, um, this was before. This was before Doctor Facilier was a villain. So, like, oh, David, James he, Horan. Okay. All yeah. right, I've never heard of that yeah. person. <laughs> but yeah, he. Uh, uh, and he's also in the interactive attraction Sorcerers of the Magic Kingdom, filling in for Jeremy Irons there, too. So he's been used more than once for Scar. Okay. Does, 
Um, I'm trying to think. Does is is um since Tony J died, did they have do they have someone who like plays Shere Khan now? Uh, like, isn't it like Corey Burton or something? I don't know. I maybe we're getting too deep in lore. Okay, go watch Mickey's House yeah, and Villains think, yeah, is it's, fun. Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's Corey Burton. Okay, that's neat. <sighs> but anyway, um, you know, if you if you like things that aren't who things that aren't canon, obviously, because you can't like. Same thing with Kingdom Hearts. Like it's not canon in relation to their own Disney movies. It's reconceptualized, reconceptualized for the need of the universe at the time. But I really think that kind of synergy is kind of the future of not only Disney but just kind of branding in general. And they kind of do things like Nickelodeon does, you know, like All Star Races or whatever their version of that with like Hey Arnold and Invader Zim and stuff. But I don't know, you know, it's just something to to, to think about. Um, you want to talk about the were rabbit movie that I haven't seen yet that you like? Yeah, I can't. I still can't believe you haven't seen Curse of the Were Rabbit. But <laughs> I think I got. I think I got mad because so, like, go ahead. <laughs> I was gonna say. So if for any of you who are fans of Wallace and Gromit and you know about Wallace and Gromit, I mean, honestly, they're they're, they're they've been known for like thirty years. So uh, so hopefully you already know about Wallace and Gromit. Uh, they're a claymation series about a man and his dog going on adventures. And it sounds generic, but then you realize that the adventures include either uh, stopping a p- penguin robber who dresses up like a chicken uh, or, or uh, you know, uh, stopping a cyborg dog from eating them or for or they're going to the moon because they think the moon's made of cheese and they love cheese and crackers so they think they're just going to go to the moon and get moon cheese uh <laughs> did i mention this was a uk production <laughs> um but uh yeah uh, curse of the were rabbit was uh Walls and gromit's first theatrical movie release and it was made by Arben Studios, who have been making the Walls and Gromit shorts since day one. Uh, and this was their full feature length film and uh, absolutely 100% intended to be a, a Halloween movie uh, because um, it all revolves around uh, Walls and Gromit being, I guess you could say, rabbit and exterminators, except they're really not exterminators. They just kind of... Uh, they uh, capture they capture and trap uh, rabbits that are eating people's gardens and especially at a time when there's a harvest festival going on and everybody's trying to protect their their gardens and their prized vegetables that'll be you know judged and win awards during the contest you know they're like get rid of the rabbits um and this is a town that really loves its vegetables apparently so uh but in the meantime there comes the rise of a creature that is enormous and it is eating all of these it's like almost like killing off all of these prized vegetables just devouring them in the night and then they know but the monster can't be found so it's like some creature that's lurking in the night and eating all the vegetables um and so it's up to walls and gromit to be able to figure out well where what this monster is and if it's actually the the this fabled were rabbit that has been eating the vegetables and trust me it's a lot of fun and you just have to watch. I don't want to spoil the rest of it for you because it's it's just a lot of fun. Got a great voice cast too. Um it's and and plus if you like 
British humor. There's a lot of it in there. So, um, but in in general, it's got a it's got really clever writing, and that was was always uh, tied in synonymously to um, to Wallace and Gromit was that the jokes and visual gags were really well timed, um, and just I it still blows my mind that the film is done in stop motion because of how intricate the sets are and how much detail goes into sculpt sculpting everything the figures the props the, the the these entire gardens filled with vegetables or these greenhouses filled with plants it's um it's fun it also has harry potter alumni in it not that um not that that matters i was googling it while lauren was talking um let's see what else is there um so obviously the most famous thing of all the things of, that came out of Peanuts is The Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, which is always mm-hmm. fun. Um, have you seen any of the other Charlie, Charlie Brown movies? Because I haven't. Like, I, like, Oh, I have. I mean, oh, okay. I, I, yeah, it's like, um, I think for a lot of people, it may have been that the, the Christmas one was the first one for a lot of people. Oh, yeah, uh, obviously the Christmas one. But I was like. Have you seen like Thanksgiving Curly Brown or like? Oh yeah, I, and there's okay. technically and there's technically two Thanksgivings. Yeah, there's like two, yeah, two maybe three like Thanksgiving specials. Um, because one is like okay, so one is the Thanksgiving special. Another one is like an add-on of like more shorts relevant to Thanksgiving in a way, and then the another one is where the kids, uh, are like uh recreating the pilgrims and the uh indians meeting or something i should say the native americans i should say uh but hey you know it was the 70s 80s whatever when they did the short so you know don't fault yeah. me on that um basically yeah for those um yeah she's referring to the fact that like if you look up the history of thanksgiving it's pretty bad so i'm thinking one of, that's one of those holidays like columbus day that will probably re- be either deleted from the calendar or at least recontextualized like probably recontextualized to be like hey let's just like national like good person day instead of like let's rewrite our history to be like less horrible so yeah well at the very least what most people seem to be synonymous with thanksgiving nowadays is just it's a day to be thankful for what you have and totally not to contradict that with the next day being black friday where everybody goes and forgets everything that they said on on thursday (laughs) is black friday like celebrated throughout I say celebrated, but like, is Black Holiday, is Black Friday like a thing throughout the world, or it's just an American? Uh, thing? It's primarily an American thing, as to my knowledge, because yeah, it's just. I mean, yes, it's a means to like make a ton of money, but it's also to clear shelves so that they can make room for other stock. So, do we have? To, should we define what Black Friday is for people? Uh, I feel like anybody listening to this already knows what Black Friday is. It's, you know, it's a huge sale day. Everybody waits for it because you do get some pretty ridiculously good deals on stuff. And especially if it's stuff that you truly do need. Like if you need a new computer, your old one's dying. I'm looking at you, KP. (laughs) Yeah, my computer's very late. (laughs) That you can get one. Um, Like if you, like the stuff you really need, I get that's the kind of stuff that's good on Black Friday because then it's a and then it's a worthy investment for your work, for for leisure, for everything that you need in your life. And we're in a digital age, so a lot of digital stuff goes on crazy sales uh, on Black Friday. And then we get Cyber Monday, which is um, 
like that, but on for online it's stuff like basically Black Friday and Cyber Monday make it a four day weekend of sales. So yeah, buy your shit then. Um. Anyway, yeah, my computer is very bad. Um. Not that anyone cares. Not that this is part of animation, but like um, like my screen is green now. Like the the keyboard, the front of the keyboard is being held together by super glue. Like it's it's bad, but I but now that I like can have the monitor like at least be legible, I'm like okay, well I'm gonna hold on it for a little while because I'm an unemployed right now. So hey, if you if you want to buy me a new computer, I'll link my pa- PayPal. No, I'm kidding. Anyway, um, <laughs> let's see what other things, what other Halloween things are there. Or probably maybe next year, or like maybe if people want to, we'll do like Halloween specials in cartoons because there's like tons of those that we can talk about for days and days and days. Um. Oh, yeah. Let's see. We have obvious, like, what haven't we talked about yet? So we have... Um, I kind of I kind of didn't what? really... Oh, yeah, I was going to say, we didn't really talk about Paranorman. Do you, are you comfortable talking about Paranorman? Yeah, I can do Paranorman and Horse Ride a little bit. So I like both of them um, very much. Um, so Paranorman, they're both stop motion, which is, I guess, I mean, like, with the exception of Laika, I feel like a lot of just, like, Halloween creepy movies are stop-motion because of Nightmare, like, just totally making that, like, a streamlined thing for some reason. I don't know. But, like, I think Corpse Bride is just funny because, like, Warner Brothers just, like, we want one of those, but for us, like, referring to Nightmare. So they, like, got Tim Burton and they did the whole stop-motion thing and they were, like, Tim Burton style and, you know, it was, I think that's hilarious. But anyway, um, so of the two, I probably, like, Corpse Bride better, but Terror Norman has a better, like, I think, established story, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of lore to Paranorman, and then just a lot of history, because it is rooted in the town's history, uh, what goes on in the story, and how Norman, and how Norman just uh, is um, at the center of it all, and how he's the key to everything. Right. Um, so it is really cool that it's almost like a mystery in that respect. Uh, mystery mm-hmm. thriller uh and it's still quite scary which i i i give a lot i mean so much credit to like uh for the stories that they do that they tell and um and the lengths they go to to tell that story in stop motion um there's a ton of i mean they may have some like certain digital effect overlays but for m- most of the stuff that they put on screen it's stop motion they do it by hand and if there's any weird like like uh, ghostly effects, maybe some, uh, maybe uh, like transparent. It looks characters. like the, it. Maybe it looks like like a like there's a part where I'm not going to spoil it too much, but there is it looks like a part where ghost looks like it's having, like it's having an internal battle with itself itself, and the head is almost like splitting in two and and like fizzling out and and just like it's it looks like it's glitching out, and they had to animate that by hand. That wasn't a, a digital effect. That was them having to animate and create these frames by hand. Uh, so I mean, that's that's insane. So they like, I don't I don't remember the part you're talking about, but they were did they just like did they two frame it and then they like put it they put no it I mean a- like you know how you when you have to make smear frames. Mm-hmm. It's like they did that for the for the figure though. I will you know it's at the end at the climax. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah that's that... what I was going to say. I'm like, I don't want to say who, because if there's people Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, it, yeah, so... I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, but that was done where it looks like, uh, 
that was done with actual individual like heads where they had to um where they made like you know head doubles oh yeah i'm gonna uh, as part of the frames so yeah but that was done by hand yeah when i heard glitching it was just like i don't remember that many computers in paranoia so (laughs) no 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 no. it looks like the head is glitching out not like uh yeah (laughs) anyway um but um so like and then corpse bride is mostly like five characters influencing each other in like the 1800s essentially and like one primarily bad guy versus like Karen Norman is very like but society is the bad guy so <laughs> yeah like me yeah meanwhile corpse bride gee i wonder who the bad guy is it's a mystery oh no it's it's the guy with the poison again that's all i'll say but we're we're making poison <laughs> jokes so it's like <laughs> but the but it is a, but it is a fun movie i do love corpse bride and yeah. um and, you know, I, I know they get put together a lot. I don't know. Tim Burton had a thing for putting Helena Bonham Carter and Johnny Depp together so much. Uh, <laughs> but they I do mean, work together. So, I mean, I can't say that it doesn't work. I mean, that's kind of like the the basic Tim Burton aesthetic where he's like, I like these people. I'm going to cast them in everything ever. Like, especially since, like, you know, um, I didn't learn this until I, I, I watched as Edward Scissorhands for the first time, like, like three or four months ago. And, like. I think Tim Burton is just like Johnny Depp is my spirit animal. Like he's my uh, he's my author avatar. So I'm gonna have him be my author avatar and everything. So <laughs> I think it's just more like an arty thing versus anything like um, weird. And I I kind of feel bad because like Johnny Depp got a lot of shit with like all of the rumor stuff going on and blah, blah, blah. so. But that that all got debunked because it turns out he wasn't the one doing the bad stuff. It was the other way around. If you check your if, sources, I guess if you're, I guess if we're gonna talk about it, it, the elephant in the room, it had to do with him and Amber Heard, who was like his girlfriend, right? I guess they were his girlfriend. I don't um, know the details. They lived I together, just, uh, but, and she was the she claimed abuse. She was actually the one abusing him, and he was. Uh, he had to fight fight legal battles over it um i think to a degree he still is but it's um but yeah it was it was debunked that he was the one being abusive and she was the one who is actually had a history of abuse not just with him but with other people so right <laughs> it's like it's like the patterns of abuse are like congruent and like they had to i think they interviewed a bunch of like people that used to date johnny depp and everyone's just like he's fine like we love him you exactly know, so. You know, that's kind of how I think from my understanding of the case, that's how they caught it. But anyway, like let's let's move on to back to to, to happy stuff, which is like dead people. Yeah. <laughs> to, to more um, shows, more shows about death. <laughs> yeah, dead people stuff. Um, as far as oh yeah, we can talk about like the best Scooby Doo. So Zooby, Scooby Doo on Zombie Island, which is great. Ha-ha. Yes, Go, uh, King Tier uh, uh, is King T- King Tier Scooby Doo movie is Scooby Doo on Zombie Island. Uh, this was a Scooby Doo adventure from the '90s, and it like like the late '90s, uh, and uh, it was the very first Scooby Doo movie. It, it was like one of those like first instances of Scooby Doo in like several years. So when it came out, first of all, it was a big deal that Scooby Doo came out with a movie, let alone a movie of this caliber. Now it was uh the storyline was much darker than any of their previous uh, incarnations and any of their previous mysteries where this was something that involved actual monsters that was never seen before 
with Scooby-Doo, it was always a guy in a mask or somebody who was in mm-hmm. a mask and it was a sort of in a costume or it was a visual effect. This was an actual thing with actual monsters and the gang had never faced that before. So I think that's really cool that it, it just ups the stakes mm-hmm. for what the gang goes through. And then on top of that, it is truly, to to this day, I am still like not only creeped out, but it still scares me at the end uh, how far they go with the scare factor. It's like, I'm like, you know what? For Scooby-Doo, that's what makes it jarring. It's not mm-hmm. so much like, oh, this is Saw or whatever. You know, it's just the fact that it's taking the property of Scooby-Doo and actually going like, we're going to go here with it. And yeah, you're going to watch this. <laughs> we're going to do, like, there's nothing you can do to stop us from going this dark. So, it, um, so yeah, I'm s- like, go ahead. Yeah. Okay. I was go. just going to say, um, it's like developing your lore will actually help your main story a little bit. Imagine that. So like, you got to fi- kind of find the balance. I it's feel what like. you can do with 90 minutes. So, um, if you have weak, weak lore, then it kind of makes it feel like, you, you, unless it's like, you know, a very like, this is now movie, um, you know, it kind of makes it harder to sink yourself in the world if like, there's not a, a lot of thought being thought about for like, the mid, like the, the, the world structure, I guess, but it's the main plot that has to be forced first, and then the world, like, building is second, but if they're both good, then you're just like, yay, I can, like, just go into this world and not come out. So, you know, I'm totally in the camp that, you know, Scooby-Doo is such a big franchise and Lauren just, like, talked about Scoob. I think we just talked about Scoob, like, a couple podcasts ago. But, you know, you have to kind of know the history of it to make a, not convincing, but, like, a um, engaging story. Because if not, then you're just, like, there's so many bad Scooby-Doo like directed DVD movies because they're continually making them. I don't think they've stopped. So um, that are just like, lol, like we didn't watch any of Scooby-Doo. We just know Shaggy's a hippie and Scooby is a dog. And like Fred is always played <laughs> by the same guy. You know, good, good job. You, um, what's his name? Fred. His name? Are, are you, wait, who is the voice of Fred? Yeah. Frank Welker. Yeah. Frank Welker, who is, um, who has played Fred since, the beginning of Since Fred, the beginning. so. <laughs> not a lot of people know. There's actually a Teen Titans um, Go episode that makes fun of that. Not makes fun of that, but brings that to attention, which I thought was fun. But anyway. You guys can look that up later. Um, it's like, it, I think it's the Scooby-Doo Teen Titans Go crossover, which obviously makes sense. Um, that exists, by the way. Anyway, so, um, you know, and that's why I think Mystery Incorporated is, has aged really well considerably is because oh, yeah. you know you know same thing like they watched all the scooby-doo or they like like for those who don't know mystery incorporated is a continuation from the ver- the beginning series like scooby-doo where are you and it kind of builds from there so it's it's kind of like after that but they like reference uh the original series as far as plots and stuff like that and there's like this like coherent story and stuff like that so i think it's really great um, but you know, Zombie think, Island walked so that Mystery Incorporated could run. Yeah, if you want, if you want good Scooby Doo lore, then you know, um, Mystery Incorporated. But then, like, if you're still doing like Scooby Doo stuff and you have more like a comedial comedic tone, you know, being familiar with the franchise still helps either way. Like, I think of um a pup named Scooby Doo as far as like 
you know, a good knowledge of lore that helps influences influence the structure of the show really well. And mm-hmm. um, the PlayStation games, Scooby-Doo, Night of a Hundred Frights, which is very lore, um, you know, conscious. And they oh, even have... extensively. Yeah, and it's great. And it's definitely not as serious as Mystery Incorporated, but, you know, and you don't... Like, the thing is, you don't have to know, like, where are you to understand the game but it makes the game much more fun fun and then we got tim curry and it's great so if you haven't um i actually never finished um night of 100 frights except like recently no no i did i'm gonna be real i i haven't either because i could not get the hundredth fright i i for some reason i had to cheat i had to (laughs) I, i did finish the game but i had to cheat because like there was a roadblock so for those who never played the game and he basically Basically, you have to, um, it's one of those games where you have to collect things and then go back to specific locations to go further on because now you can reach the thing with the gadget you have. So Lego games have been like that. So in Scooby-Doo, there's like this inventor dude who like gives you gadgets as you like defeat all the bosses and save all the, the gang. And then you're like, oh, I can access this level. But it gets really fucking confusing where things are, man. So um, a lot of times it's just happy accidents that like, oh, that's where Fred was this whole game. That's great. And then um, I got like near the last bit of it. I got I didn't know what to do. And I had to like look look up walkthroughs. And I'm just like, but then I got to the last like area with the final boss and stuff. And I'm just like, oh, that's 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 where this was this whole time. So, you know, it's one of those games that like it's hard to play because um it's it's challenging gameplay. It's not so much like a challenging um, story, I guess, if that makes sense. So. Yeah, it's like the mechanics of it. Like, don't even get me started on when you're on a slippery surface and then and then you're you're just like doing the mad scramble to try and run across the surface and you're just sliding everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> so it's um, like, uh, oh my god! No, my favorite thing is they have the fucking laugh track. Yeah. Okay. That's actually, I think, hilarious because then, as if you're when you're bashing enemies' heads in, the laugh track goes because you're making like you know funny sound effects of just like you know boing prong, you know all the like you know classic uh, Hanna Barbera cartoony sound effects as you're like bashing mm-hmm. villains' heads in, and the crowd just goes ha 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 ha. It's just it's like it's, it's so funny because where are they the coming show, from? Yeah, who's where watching these, this? This omni- those people? <laughs> omniscient audience watching this the entire time, sitting there for several hours watching you play a video game. I think it's just funny. Yeah. Um, and, the, and the game doesn't take itself too seriously. So it's like, that's what, there's a lot of fourth wall breaking, self-awareness in there. And I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty advanced for at the time. Like it was ahead of its time in a lot of regards for that because it was just so aware of what it was um, and the content of the show that it was based on. So it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, so the moral of the podcast is if you're going to do Scooby-Doo anything, make sure you know your lore, at least the, the main series lore, and then kind of go from that. Um, and, and, I'm, and if I'm, I may be incorrect, but is Casey Kasem like the voice of Shaggy in that too? I'm like, pretty he was sure. Shaggy for a long time. I'm, I'm like, I'm like ninety percent sure because I don't think 
Matt, I think Matt Linyard or whatever his name is. I don't think he took over until after the live action Scooby-Doo movies. Oh, yeah. No, then. no, no. Matt, Matt Lillard, he was not until after the live action movies. And that's when they picked him up for the cartoon stuff. Yeah. Uh, but he did get Casey Kasem's blessing to to take up the torch as as Shaggy. So I thought that was pretty cool when he when he stepped into the live action role. So I thought that was pretty cool. But then, um, then Casey Kasem turned out to be like a bad person, right? Uh, did he? I think so. I feel like he did. Um, okay. I um I can Google it real quick if you want to if you want to take over another. Um, I think we talked about the majority of the video. You want to talk about Ichabod and Mister Toad? Uh, yeah. I guess I could talk a little bit about. Okay, that. I'm, it's I'll been Google forever. It real quick. It's been for honestly, uh, it's been forever since I've watched Ichabod and Mr. Toad. Uh, I've sooner watched the Ichabod Crane part than the Mr. Toad part. <laughs> but um, but I because I, well, one is clearly creepier than the other. <laughs> so um, what I will talk about, I guess, in the sake of the, the, the Halloween part of it, I will talk about Ichabod Crane. Okay. Um, so. Uh, if you've probably been around the Disney parks and have been there for the Mickey's Not So Scary Halloween Party, uh, that kind of stuff, uh, you've probably seen at least in Disney World they have the headless horseman riding around on his majestic black steed, carrying his head, uh, his jack o' lantern pumpkin head uh, at his side. Uh, so what's cool about that is yeah, that came from the the legend. It was the Legend of Sleepy Hollow which is uh, Ica- the story of Ichabod Crane. Um, I don't know. I, I guess it's, it's kind of a short film, more or less, because Ichabod and Mr. Toad is just a compilation of two stories. But um, but I guess you could say this, the general story of Ichabod Crane is this guy who thinks he's hot stuff, um, and he's very scholarly, and the, the ladies like him and stuff like that. Uh, you know, he thinks he's all that. Uh, he basically hears the story about um, about the headless horseman of Sleepy Hollow uh, from one from one of the local guys, and he thinks, "Oh, he's pretty scary. You know, he's spooked, but you know, nothing can scare me." And uh, basically, the the headless horseman finds him that very same night. And I guess the debate is whether or not the guy who told the story to him was dressed up as the Headless Horseman, or if the Headless Horseman was real. Either way, let's just say Ichabod Crane did not make it out of there. So <laughs> um, uh, once he ran across him, he didn't make it out alive. Um, and that's where it pretty much leaves off. But it is a musical short story, or a short film, I should say. Um, and it's uh, so- sung and narrated by uh, Bing Crosby. Yeah. And so it's so he's got the 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 um the 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 low tone crooner voice uh narrating the story and also serving as Ichabod's voice. Mm-hmm. Um so I I I like it. It's a little taste of the 1940s. <laughs> okay, uh, uh, I, 1940s Disney. I found and then and then like the Mr. Toad ride on Disneyland is like even like its own other story. It's weird. Um okay, I found the, the thing I was re- referencing to so a, Apparently there was a big custody battle between Casey Kasem's um, wife and children, and that's where it got nasty. So I don't think he was a bad person, but that's where it just uh, like no, that's just a, that's just a custody rip. battle. Yeah, yeah. Um, so 
now you know that random piece of hi- history, I guess, guys. He was also a disc, jo- disc jockey. Jockey. Yes, so. that's how that's how he got his voice out there initially. Was that he was a radio host and a disc jockey? So um, he was a voice for radio. Yay! So, that's how he got yeah. into voice acting. So there you go. The moral of the story is is get on a radio station or like. In this case, make a podcast because some people are like, "What's a radio?" And I'm like, "You mean iHeartRadio?" And I'm just like, <laughs> um, "You mean Pandora?" <laughs> you think um, Casey Kasem would run a, a podcast if he were like one of us these days? I th- I think so. I mean, I think people would would jibe with the fact that they could talk to like OG Shaggy too, you know, and talk about, you know, like even if it was like something like relatively political, because everyone has political opinions, then you know. Like, but it just depends on what angle he would want to go with it. I guess I don't know. Yeah. We can't. Um, we can't predict these things. Yeah, I think we've pretty much gone through like almost all of these. Oh, did did you want to talk about um, Coraline? I mean, that's some, along the same line as Paranorman. I guess you could say it, it preceded Paranorman. Yeah, and it was yeah. We like can do that. that. Yeah, and then I'll I'll talk about the Halloween tree br- briefly, and then um, there's your your condensive list of Halloween specials, um, everyone. Um, so Coraline, for those who don't know, is a Neil Gaiman story where they made a movie about it with the same thing that they always do. They put it into stop motion because it's creepy, I guess, because that's what we do now. Um, so again, Coraline is very like like I said earlier of Alice in Wonderly where. Um, she goes through a portal to another world. The difference is here that um, I guess she feels they family just moved. Um, she feels like her parents are ignoring her, so she goes into this world and like she finds like like basically copies of her parents and her neighbor and stuff that are that pay attention to her and that yeah they pay attention to her and like shower her and then that doesn't turn out so great. Um, to not spoil the movie essentially. What could possibly it's a, it's go another, wrong? It's another like cautionary tale of be careful what you wish for. Um, so yeah, I guess that's the best way to put it. And yeah, it is very Alice in Wonderland because yeah, she does after she goes after she's having this real this realization of like you know this isn't happening for me. I wish I had this, and then that happens when she goes to the other world. She gets what she asked for, but is it what she really needs, or at least? to the extent that she wanted, is that really what was good? So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So, I again, it's like the real the real fun is seeing how all of that unfolds and to the extent that they go <laughs> visually to tell that. It's, 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 it's a trip. Keith David cat. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Keith David does things. Um, he's neat. He's a voice actor. But he's probably most... Famous for Dr. Facilier and um, Goliath from Gargoyles. He's actually in Amphibia now, which I didn't know until I watched some clips. But anyway, this is not the Amphibia podcast. So um, I think that's about all of the. I feel like Nightmare Before Christmas is talked about too much. So you guys know what Nightmare oh, Before Christmas is. Did you want to talk about the Halloween tree? Oh, yeah. The Halloween tree. So Halloween tree is this like, because we're out of like standalone like Halloween themed things so and i guess we can talk about monster house a little bit too before we wrap um briefly um do you yeah. know monster house so oh yeah then... i love monster house okay so you can do that okay so halloween tree ha- the halloween tree 
is this creepy Ray ba- Bradbury story. And um, Ray ba- Bradbury as an author is pretty hit or miss. Like, you either really like his stuff or you think it's weird and you're like, eh. So, um, the Halloween tree is basically, like, Litter Nimoy. This was made, like, in the early 90s. And Litter Nimoy was, like, this creepy, like, guy with a big head. And so these kids are about to go trick-or-treating. And then I guess they're... It's like five of them, five or four of them. And then one of their friends, like, I think gets hit by a car or something. And um, he he might die. So they have to go and, like, find his soul. And then Litter Nimoy is like, let's learn about Halloween and make this educational at the same time. So they go to, like, um, they go to Notre Dame, the cathedral. And they are, like, they go to Day of the Dead before that was, like, a Day of the Dead celebration before that was more mainstream. They go to, um, trying to think. Yeah, stuff like that. I don't remember. But they go to, like, like four different, like, locations of, like, how other cultures practice death culture and things. They Oh, they go to ancient Egypt and, like, so the whole complex is, like, learning boys. Like, you guys have costumes, right? But do you know why you wear the costumes? You're going to find out on the Magic School Bus Halloween edition. Beep, beep. Um, so it's very, it's it was made by Hanna-Barbera. So like animation is, it's, it's cell, it's cell animation. So it's not anything special in that regard. You know, if you think of like shitty or early 90s, like Captain Planet kind of um, animation, that's what it was. Um, but I think if, if anything, it's kind of interesting and it's an original, um, I mean, original, like, it's based on a book, but it's not an another IP or anything like that that's established. Um, so um, if you want to learn some stuff, um, then I think it's interesting. And I, I guess the moral is, like, live life to the fullest because you might die someday, which is kind of morbid for a kid. It's, 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 it's not might. It's you will. <laughs> You might, I mean, and then, but, but if you, if you, if you're famous, then you get to live forever, Lauren. That's how it works. <laughs> All right. Technically. Technically, if you're, you're immortalized in a different way. Hey, you're still, you know, you still, you like listen to Michael Jackson Thriller and then everyone from that song is dead, except maybe the girl from the music, music video. But, you know, you know, I don't know, like we're getting too existential here, but anyway. So yeah, you, you, you. You will die. You might not die. It's fine. No, like, what if they put your head in Futurama, like, style, and they're, like, got your head in the jar, so. How much money do you think that would, uh, how much money do you think the, the celebrities that did have it done put aside to have their heads put in a jar? I don't know. I don't know. And then, and then we got, like, Ghost in the Shell kind of concepts where you, like, take a brain <laughs> and you, like, redownload it into, like, a machine. But we're not there yet. This is, this is way too sci-fi. But, Anyway, we still need so, we still need to figure out flying cars and hoverboards. Yeah, you know, at this rate, you're, we're probably not in the age where we're all going to live in, long enough to see like these kind of advances to where we could live forever because that might get really complicated. Um, honestly, except for mortality, would, it's like honest and honestly, I wouldn't want to live forever because it's like if if it's not the same for everybody, then what would be the point? If it, well, your body would still continue aging why would you want to live forever if you're going to continue aging because there's no way you cannot not age unless you have this perpetual 
scientific reason as to why your cells can keep regenerating younger cells and you can stay the same. I'm I'm sure there's some kind of a scientific explanation. You'll turn for into Mama Coco. <laughs> <laughs> but your skin will just get saggy and saggier until you're just like, you know, dragon it's like no it's like no thank you. I do not want to live like four hundred years like out of Bible times because God only knows what people look like at four hundred years old in Bible times. I don't wanna know. <laughs> old people are creepy is the moral of the story. Um anyway. <laughs> um but yeah, like, you know, like like from, from Hamilton, you know, dying is easy, living is harder, so like life is just hard. Anyway, um this is getting really dark. So are there any anyway, I'm going to finish it off with Monster House, uh, which uh, yeah, it does have to do with death. But anyway, it's got kids that are exploring a haunted house. So there is that. Um, and then the house is not only haunted, it is alive. It is a, a, an actual creature that. So would you uh, say it's a monster house? Kids. It's a monster house. The house is a monster. But it's, uh, but yeah, it's because it's a haunted monster house uh, that is terrorizing the neighborhood. And the owner of said house is a crotchety old man that doesn't want to deal with any kids on Halloween and he hates Halloween. I, I guess just people in general, too, because he just doesn't like the world. And at least in the movie, you come to see why that is and why he's so jaded and against the world. Um, and it's quite tragic, but it's a good, it's like a good kind of like where I guess it's because it comes, the, the, the direction they go in the movie comes out of left field. Like you, you're following these kids it almost as like they went the 80s movie direction, 80s kids movie direction with it, where kids would be exploring a haunted house and they find some actual legit scary stuff. But it was the 80s, so it was fine. Kids could handle it. Uh, so it was like in this one they almost took like the Goonies direction with it um, and but they set it and they set it inside and around this uh, possessed house um, and it's 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 awesome it's it's uh, got some motion capture in it which hasn't exactly aged entirely well but for what it is it's not bad at the time that it was made was not too bad so, um, and plus the designs are not fully like hyper realistic or anything. So that works in its in its advantage too. Um, but yeah, it's it's a fun movie and there's a lot of really funny jokes in it. Just like it feels like the kids are acting like kids in the movie rather than, you know, kids trying to talk like adults or being or somebody writing down to kids and talking down to them saying how they should think and, and reason but kids are actually smart and do try to like figure out what's going on and are you know trying to solve a mystery um so yeah i mean it's i, I think it's a fun movie if you haven't checked it out yet please do um definitely halloween worthy it's got plenty of spooks and and jump scares in it while also having an an actual heart to the story. So so definitely check it out. Uh hi. This is the editor speaking. Uh Sander, remember me from the editing episode. Ooh, callback. Uh 
We had an audio problem where some of the microphones cut out, so we lost a bit of footage. I've tried to edit around it for a while now. Didn't work. So I'm just going to quickly fill you in on what you missed. Basically, KP is now talking about... They're moved on from what we talked about earlier, and they're now talking about uh, how uh, one of the creators of Clone High saw KP's uh, tweet about her video about Clone High, and they're talking about KP's Clone High video. Uh, back um, to the show. Yeah, like that's kind I of... I mean, enough that, fi- enough that Phil Lord... Took, took notice on Twitter. Oh so yeah, that's that's, that's awesome. neat. And he and he retweeted it. Yeah, I you know I totally planned the fact that that was going to release around the time the JFK clone high memes became a thing. So timing is weird. Um, <laughs> the only time like because I was originally res- writing to, about it to respond to the fact that clone high got like renewed for a reboot, but I'm sure it will just be tied to the same thing. It will they'll just find a way. It, it's just like technically called a reboot, but anyway. And now, like, <laughs> but nothing bad ever happens to the Kennedys. <laughs> so, um, you know, if if we get like maybe if we get more subscribers, we'll make Lauren read read JFK memes with her JFK voice. But um, oh, you're, uh... <laughs> gotta 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 shake off the rust. The r- um, the rustum us. But anyway, um. Yeah, so make sure you're subscribed to the main channel and notified, I guess. YouTube's being weird, I guess, where it's making people unsubscribe to stuff. Uh, I don't know what's going on. The what? I don't know. People people in my feed have been talking about it, so it's just like, okay, YouTube, stop being stop being drunk. Go home. So, um, <laughs> yeah, make sure you're watching those as they come out, and we still do the thing where if you comment in the first 72 hours of the video being released, then you might get a free sketch from a team artist. Yay. There you go. And we got lots of talented artists on team, so there you go. Everyone is talented. Um sometimes. Um, I think that's all the plugs. Make sure we're we're on iTunes or Spotify if and YouTube if one of those platforms are more convenient than the other. Um and obviously make sure you share this to people if you have people that like listening to like some bitches on the internet or something like that, or I can I guess I'll just call myself a bitch because Lauren's not like the opposite of that. She's she's too nice for her own good. But anyway, um, so does that make you the grump and me not so grump? <laughs> I guess maybe maybe that should be like on the holiday T-shirts. We'll make some holiday shirts and then like my mom will and buy them. And we're the tune grumps. <laughs> um, but. But yeah, um, yeah. Make sure you're following us on all the social medias, and um, you know we're we're all the places. And we'll see you guys next time where we have cool person um, and things. Have a good Halloween. Make sure you trick or treat. Wear a mask and go vote if you're over twenty one. Wait, yeah, it, it, and, and, uh, yeah, it's eighteen and, uh, or twenty one. Yeah. It's eighteen. Oh, I'm 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 getting old. Okay, go vote if you're over eighteen. <laughs> but yeah, but but yeah, just like go ahead, go out there and get some candy. Uh, well, maybe not door to door, but go get some from the store. Bring it back. Have a party in your living room, maybe. Party and watch some Halloween movies oh, while eating candy. Oh, there I'll, you go. I'll also mention this first. Um, yeah, we're also debating on doing some live shows or just some more viewer, um driven content i guess so we might like do a mailbag episode where we read like funny like animation stories on i say on the air but like there's no you know what i mean so if 
that's something that's interesting to you, just be vocal. And we also have to have people submit. So I did a Twitter poll about this like two weeks ago on the, the Twitter. And people are like, I'd like to listen to that. And I'm just like, yes. But in order to make that, we need to have people submit to, to, to that. You can't just listen to things that don't exist. So um, let us know. And well, I think it, it's fair to at least feel it out with a with a kind of a uh, a poll just to at least see who will be interested. Yeah. Because then you can fish out again for the questions. That's not nothing wrong with that. So um, I guess our email is animationcommunication at Gmail. If you have a story you want to share, like either Halloween or just like, LOL, my mom didn't know this thing about animation. And then I told her and then, you know, she grounded me or something like that. If we, you know, I'll probably more make it. I'll probably make it more concentrated effort as interest peaks. But if you have something that, you know, you want us to talk about and read or be like, hey, Lauren and KP, I listen to you every week. You know, thanks for breathing air. And we're like, yeah, we did it. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, we'll see you guys next week. And um, I want to stay like stay communicative or something, but I don't have a we don't really have an outro catchphrase except like subscribe and shit. So, Lauren, do you want to end on anything? Um, I guess prepare for more spooks and, and surprises this month because uh, we'll have lots to talk about in the spooky season. So, I mean, Halloween's a good time to talk about a lot of things, especially in media. So, yeah. I mean, talking about movies was only, movies and specials was only the beginning. And even then, we've only touched the tip of the iceberg. Oh, so, man. Stay yeah. tuned. Yeah. I, I think you're going to like, you're going to like the next episode, which we already know what's going to happen, <laughs> at least as of right now. So, you're going to like it. I promise. If you want to know the <laughs> origins of Food Fight, then, you know, listen closely. Um, and then shout out to Hen on the team for making all the new, um, Halloween themed assets. So yeah, yes, he's a thank good you, Hen. He's a good bean and is super talented, super super talented. We we really appreciate everything that you do and all your hard work, man. So thank you. Yeah, thanks for even though he's grumpy a lot of the time, but that's just kind of his mo. All right, bye everyone. Bye everyone. See you next. <laughs> See you next week. time, guys. That's Ooh. all, folks. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, there you go. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>